The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle. Volume 2, The Constitution. Book 6, The Marseillaise. Chapter 2, Let Us March. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 6, Chapter 2, Let Us March. But to our minds the notablest of all these moving phenomena is that of Barbaroux's six hundred Marseillais who know how to die. Prompt to the request of Barbaroux, the Marseille municipality has got these men together. On the fifth morning of July, the town hall says, Marche, abatte le tyran, march, strike down the tyrant. And they, with grim appropriate marchant, are marching. Long journey, doubtful errand. Enfant de la patrie, may a good genius guide you. Their own wild heart and what faith it has will guide them, and is not that the monition of some genius, better or worse? Five hundred and seventeen able men, with captains of fifties and tens, well armed all, musket on shoulder, sabre on thigh. Nay, they drive three pieces of cannon, for who knows what obstacles may occur. Municipalities there are, paralysed by war minister, commandants with orders to stop, even federation volunteers. Good when sound arguments will not open a town gate if you have a petard to shiver it. They have left their sunny Phocean city and sea haven with its bustle and its bloom, the thronging course with high fondant avenues, pitchy dockyards, almond and olive groves, orange trees on housetops and white glittering bastides that crown the hills are all behind them. They wend on their wild way from the extremity of French land through unknown cities towards an unknown destiny with a purpose that they know. Much wondering at this phenomenon and how in a peaceable trading city so many householders or half-holders do severally fling down their crafts and industrial tools, gird themselves with weapons of war and set out on a journey of six hundred miles to strike down the tyrant. You search in all historical books, pamphlets and newspapers for some light on it, unhappily without effect. Rumour and terror precede this march, which still echo on you, the march itself an unknown thing. Weber, in the back stairs of the Tuileries, has understood that they were fossa, galley-slaves, and mere scoundrels, these Marseillais, that, as they marched through Lyon, the people shut their shops, also that the number of them was some four thousand. Equally vague is Blancgilly, who likewise murmurs about fossa and dangers of plunder. Forsar there were not, neither was there plunder or danger of it. Men of regular life or of the best-filled purse they could hardly be. The one thing needful in them was that they knew how to die. Friend Aunt Martin saw them with his own eyes march gradually through his quarters at Villefranche in the Beaujolais, but saw in the vaguest manner, being indeed preoccupied and himself minded for marching just then across the Rhine. Deep was his astonishment to think of such a march, without appointment or arrangement, station or ration. For the rest it was the same men he had seen formerly in the troubles of the South, perfectly civil, though his soldiers could not be kept from talking a little with them. So vague are all these. Moniteur, histoire, parlementaire are as good as silent. 
garrulous history, as is too usual, will say nothing where you most wish her to speak. If enlightened curiosity ever get a sight of the Marseille Council books, will it not perhaps explore this strangest of municipal procedures, and feel called to fish up what of the biographies, creditable or discreditable, of these 517 the stream of time has not yet irrevocably swallowed? As it is, these Marseillais remain inarticulate, indistinguishable in feature, a black-browed mass full of grim fire who wend there in the hot, sultry weather, very singular to contemplate. They wend amid the infinitude of doubt and dim peril, they not doubtful, fate and feudal Europe having decided to come girdling in from without, they having also decided do march within. Dusty of face, with frugal refreshment, they plod onwards, unweariable, not to be turned aside. Such march will become famous. The thought which works voiceless in this black-browed mass, an inspired Tertain colonel, Roger de Lille, whom the earth still holds, has translated into grim melody and rhythm, into his hymn or march of the Marseillaise, luckiest musical composition ever promulgated, the sound of which will make the blood tingle in men's veins, and whole armies and assemblages will sing it, with eyes weeping and burning, with hearts defiant of death, despot and devil. One sees well these Marseillais will be too late for the Federation feast. In fact, it is not Jean de Marzos that they have in view. They have quite another feat to do a paralytic national executive, to set in action. They must strike down whatsoever tyrant or mat there may be who paralyses it. Strike and be struck, and on the whole prosper, and know how to die. End of Book 6, Chapter 2